Hi, friend. Welcome to Holly's Highlights, a podcast designed to encourage, inspire, and equip you to intentionally live your life full of purpose. I'm your host, Holly Kirby, motivational speaker, leadership cultivator, marketing strategist, and personal cheerleader. Let's check out today's highlight. Are you looking for a book for this summer to gather your group together? It could be your church group, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, or just invite some girlfriends over to your house for a deeper connection. Well, might I recommend my book, Facelift, Embracing Hope Through Your Heartaches by yours truly. And in the back, it does have a group discussion guide that is going to help you dive deeper into each chapter for personal reflection, but also encourage that connection and remind you that you are not alone. Feel free to check out Facelift wherever you get your books, whether it be bookstores or online retailers such as Walmart, Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it's all available out there. If you'd like more information, feel free to check out my website at hollykirby.com. And special thanks to the uh, local affiliates of ABC, CBS, and Fox for their coverage of Facelift. Hope you enjoy your summer and happy reading. Hello, my friend. I hope you're enjoying your summer or your start to summer. I absolutely love sitting in my backyard or my back patio to work each day. I'm very thankful to be able to work from home. And I enjoy watching my son jump on the trampoline or just watch the the squirrels run around and and enjoy their food. And, And I just soak in the sun. I love summer and I love being with my kids. As some of you may know, my day job of nearly 10 years is as Director of Community and Culture with Chick fil A. And yes, the very ones I acknowledge in the back of my book, Facelift, Embracing Hope Through Your Heart which shameless plug just released the end of April and is available at bookstores and online retailers such as Walmart and Target and Amazon. So feel free to go check that out. But anyhow, the other day while wrapping up a phone call with a guest, she ended by telling me, I'm so glad you're still with Chick-fil-A. You do and have always represented them very well. Well, I caught up the phone and, and I gotta tell you, that kind of froze me in my tracks with a smile on my face, of course. On one hand, being a director in my organization, people often will compliment our stores or tell me a compliment about someone else there at the store, one of our team members, which is great. But as many of you who are entrepreneurs, higher level executives, managers, or leaders in some way over your company or your program, goodness, it could even just be as a mom, we don't always get to hear the great compliments about us. And I've totally done that before, where I see someone in charge and I go tell them about how great one of their employees are, or maybe tell a parent how well-behaved or kind their child was at a birthday party or something, when I could have used the opportunity to compliment that parent directly in their parenting. Well, I was so grateful for her encouragement and saying something to me, taking that time. But on the other hand, these kind words made me reflect on that word, represent. You do and have always represented them very well. Hmm. Well, years ago, just out of high school myself, I had the privilege of being a youth director in one of our local communities. Every week, I would prepare a theme or a lesson, if you will, for the group. Every month, we would do a community service project. And about once a quarter, we'd go on a trip of some sorts, skiing, amusement park, camping, weekend retreat, so forth. Well, before going out in the community or going on these trips, I'd huddle our groups, both small and large, all together, and I'd remind them who we represent as we headed out on that venture. First, I'd tell them we represent who we are, our character, our integrity, our priorities, our values, you. Second, our family or our family name. 
how we've been raised, what we stand for, how people reflect on us. Third, our group. What are we about? The impact we want to have. And fourth, God, our relationship with him, the difference having him in our life makes in what we do and what we say and even what we think about. Now, I was always so proud of our youth. And when other youth groups were breaking elevators or using foul language or leaving places a mess, our group was often complimented on holding open doors, using their please and thank you manners, and even helping clean up. Now that I have children of my own, I I often have reused these same areas as reference to and an encouragement for them as they head out with their friends or sports or church events. Remember, you represent not only you, but our family, the group you are with, and most importantly, God. Now, there have been times or two where whether it has been one of my kids or or back then with one of the youth or even throughout the years as a leader where one of my team members just made a not smart choice. Perhaps you can relate. How often have you beat yourself up wondering what you could have or should have done different in teaching that child or that student or that employee? Well, my mom, who passed away from brain cancer a few years ago, she'd often tell me and my siblings once we became parents, you can't take all the credit for what your children do, so you can't take all the blame either. That's pretty profound to me. And it brings me back to the word represent. So whether you're a student in high school or college, a parent with a vital role of raising your little ones a leader in your company with eyes on you, or even your golden years and enjoying the blessing of retirement. How can we best represent ourselves? For you business-minded ones out there, you can think of this as your brand. And like branding, it doesn't have to be hard to figure out. But I personally believe there are five key areas we can focus in. First of all, our hard work. Do we get by with the bare minimum or are we known for giving it our best? Well, not complaining, might I add. See, it's not so much the workload that determines our hard work outcome or not. It's the attitude. It's not giving up and the overall effort you put into that work that can result with being a hard worker. Now, my daughter recently returned from a missions trip with our church's youth group to Guatemala, and while she was there, she carried 100-pound bags of cement, she maneuvered heavy wheelbarrows, she worked hard. And I had so many people report back to me, whether it be other youth or chaperones, leaders, overall observers, that my daughter had exceptional work ethics, that she was a hard worker. Hard work. Do you give things your all? or just enough to get by. Number two, a servant heart. Is it a first come first serve or survival of the fittest mentality or putting the needs of others before your own that resonates with you? Now, I recall back when I was in high school, I went to a Christian school and every holiday I would make effort to make these die cuts of a a shape representing that holiday. So, you know, ghosts for Halloween, shamrocks for St. Patrick's Day, hearts for Valentine's, you get the idea. And then I would write Bible verses on them, such as let Jesus handle the spooky things in life, referring to 1 Peter 5-7. And then I'd go ahead and and I'd tape them to the front of lockers for everyone in my class. Now, keep in mind, I graduated with like 24 people in my class, so it was not a huge undertaking. I would also write encouragement notes to those who I knew that were just kind of going through rough times or or to, you know, friends or or those who might be new. 
And I would prayer walk the halls and and the lockers for my class were various ones. I tried really hard to encourage and uplift, unite, make everyone feel like they belonged, you know, be the peacemaker and just love on my classmates. Well, unbeknownst to me, at graduation, the school announced they were giving a certain award for the the person who had been kind of that encourager and reflected that of a servant heart throughout our high school years. Now, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but hearing this, I thought, well, surely I qualify. Well, as they went on to read the name and, and present the award, it wasn't me. But even that night, as I got home from all the celebrations, and even up to this day, I can sincerely say I'm glad it wasn't me. Why? Because it could have changed my outlook that to serve others was for an award. I was doing what I did to show that care, to show that love. I had no clue an award would be at the end of our high school years. So instead, I can genuinely say I enjoy serving others with the motivation to just love them. Nothing less, nothing more. Are you willing to have a servant heart to put the needs of others above your own? Parents, does this resonate with any of you as to something you've already been doing since your kids were born? And at the end of the day, is that servant heart done with the right motivation, with no fanfare, acknowledgement, or even award to show for it? Now, I've raised my kids being secret Santas each year, where we'd buy gifts for individuals or families, and secret Cupid, where we'd buy flowers and chocolates and a nice card. And even prepaying for things like food at a hospital cafeteria or hot chocolate for the next like 20 people in line behind us at a Christmas festival. But the catch was, it's always been where they couldn't tell anyone that they had done it, that they had been a part of it. And to this day, they haven't. I wanted my kids to feel the sacrifice of us taking our money that we could have used on something for us and giving it to help others. I wanted them to have to take time to shop for and wrap and then doorbell ditch the presents to people without any acknowledgement or gratitude expressed for doing so. Because I wanted them to learn to have a servant heart, all while the only motivation being to glorify God. Now, trust me, God fills our cups in other ways through having such a heart. Number three, integrity. Man, this is a big word with a lot of associations. When I was 16 years old, my first job was working at Kmart as a cashier. And within the first couple of months, I was quickly promoted to store supervisor, where I oversaw a lot of money, including all of the money bags for any and all cash registers in the entire building, the outdoor garden, the electronics, the frontline registers, you name it. Well, one day as I was doing a refund for a guest, and keep in mind back in the day, most everything was done with cash, not card. Well, at the same time, one of my register people brought me their money bag to empty and and put in my drawer, you know, the same drawer I was grabbing refund money from. Yeah, can you see where this is going? (laughs) Well, upon giving back the customer a good amount of cash as his refund, I somehow gave him not only his refund money, but that additional $100 that had just been emptied from that cashier's money bag. Now, as soon as I realized what had happened, I notified our store manager. I owned up to it. I felt horrible. And of course, the customer was long gone. Now, in the customer's defense, though, I must mention, I cannot assume if he knew he had just walked away with an extra $100 and just kept it, or if he hadn't a clue at my mistake. 
But that not only has helped me in in showing grace and mercy to my teams throughout the years when they make a mistake, but it also reminds me, do what is right, even, or as I'd like to throw in the word, especially when no one is looking. Meaning it would be so easy to keep that extra $100, but you should turn around and go return it, right? That would be someone of integrity. A woman, a man, a student, a leader, just be a human of integrity. Number four, empathy. My daughter's best friend just graduated from high school and her sweet mom was telling me that uh, towards the end of the school year, which also meant the end of the girl's final softball season, that she used to in years past see the senior parents crying at the senior night softball game and and she just kind of chuckle. <laughs> that is until she was in their shoes. And she said she finally could relate. Empathy. It can be so easy to see another person's situation, you know, relationships, financial health, you name it. And we can judge or belittle the situation. But until we have walked a mile in the other person's shoes, as the saying goes, we don't know exactly what they are going through. But we can show care and concern and a sense of understanding to them. Now, something I have tried to instill in my kids is to ask themselves, How do you think this or that made them feel? How do you think you'd feel if you were going through this or that? Empathy. And then number five, unity. Now, I grew up watching The Little Rascals. Yes, I think I just dated myself. For those who haven't a clue what that show is or was, it was a black and white film. Okay, I'm really not that old, though. (laughs) But it it was a group of little boys who sometimes referred to themselves as the He-Man Woman's Hater Club. Now, before I get any comments about women's rights or anything like that, it was this group of little boys, and it was just their way of defending Valentine's Day. They actually did like girls and even, spoiler alert, eventually let girls into their club. So all is well. Anyhow, point being, when the bullies in the school or the snotty new kids in the neighborhood ever picked on one of these boys, it was basically a pick on one of us, you pick on all of us retaliation. Yes, we all have to learn to pick and choose our battles. And no, we can't have others fight our battles for us. But be sure we can have each other's backs. I have a dear friend and mighty prayer warrior who has been in the company of someone who has spoken incorrectly of me before. And from what I hear, she let that gal have it defending me. Our family is super close. You know, my my brother, my sister, and their families, my, my mom, although has passed away, my dad. And and anyhow, if you watch Blue Bloods, some have referred to us as the, the Reagan family you know, or having Reagan family tendencies. You better believe I'm going to speak well of my family and I am their cheerleader. Just look at my personal Facebook post if you need proof of that. By the same token, I have tried to teach my kids that they better be each other's biggest advocates. If we look at how we want to represent ourselves, our family, our church, our school, our community group, our networking group, our company, our nonprofit, our tribe, we need to realize that we are on the same team. We're not working against each other. We're not criticizing or tearing each other apart or down. There are going to be plenty of people in this world who are going to attempt that. We need to assume the best. We need to believe the best. We need to speak the best and have each other's backs. Just as parents need to have that unified front to best represent, we must have and implement and reflect unity. Now, I know the list could go on and on from here, right, on how to best represent. 
I hope my kids have manners when they're at a friend's house. You know, the thank you for dinner and offer to help clean the dishes. I hope that my kids are kind and see the needs of others and address them. I hope they take initiative, not just sit around and be asked to do something. I hope they're problem solvers, not just problem identifiers. And I hope they're respectful, especially to the elders. I hope they're effective communicators from giving a message to someone asked to relate to someone else, whether it be a teacher to me or me to someone else, or having their voice be heard and and the courage and confidence to do so, to even just being able to diffuse a situation or clearly express their idea or a concern that they have. I hope they're good stewards. I I hope that they spend their money well and and how they spend their time and how they fulfill their roles and responsibilities and how they treat things, just being a good steward of of what we're entrusted with or to. You know, truly the list can go on and on. But bottom line, how do we represent fill in the blank? You, your family, your faith, or as in my case with that guest, your organization. Now, we can hire for skill. We can pay for a job well done. But representing whatever we do well, whomever we are representing well, that's truly priceless. So when others think of you, what are the character traits that you want to embody? What changes might you need to make to achieve that reputation, so to say? And then what roles do you represent and how are you doing representing those roles? Are you still unsure about how you come across or how you represent? Ask your kids, ask your spouse, ask your family, your neighbors, your friends, your employees, your coworkers. What's it like being on the other side of me? And if you don't like what you hear, well, then change it. But be intentional at showing up, at working hard, at showing care and concern for others. Don't make things about you, but try to put yourself in the other's shoes. Put others first. Try to get along. Bite that tongue. Resist that gossip. Think positively when you're drawn to that negative. Whatever you need to do, be intentional at being the change that you wish to see in you. And just as us marketing gurus understand, branding has to be consistent. I like how poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe puts it, you can easily judge the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing for him. Now go represent who you are, genuine, authentic, raw, real, and true to the bone, you. Thank you for joining me on this journey of life. I hope that today's highlight has been encouraging, inspiring, and equipping so you can go out and live your life full of purpose. I'd be honored if you'd take a moment to leave a review, or better yet, subscribe. We can also stay in touch by joining my email list at hollykirby.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-C-U-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, make it a great day for a great day.